0: people the smoke has finally cleared where I am here in Northern California but um, unfortunately there are still 27 active wildfires in California that have burned over 3.1 million acres. Um, it is September 24th. 2020 the year that just keeps on giving. Bad, sad, devastating news. RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on Friday. And, oh my God, every time she went into the hospital, every time she, I don't know, got a hangnail, I was on the edge of my seat. Please, Ruth, please don't die. Or at least try to hang on until this guy is voted out of office. But yet she could not because she was you know, a trooper, and she battled cancer multiple times, but um, she finally succumbed to pancreatic cancer. Working all the way up into her last day, just a truly incredible, inspirational woman who fought for women's equality. And, you know, all those conservative women who just look down or scoff at the progressive fight. I mean, lady, you could not own property. You could not open a bank account in your own name. You could not do anything without your husband's okay until RBG came on the scene and said, no, we are our own people. We are in charge of our own destinies. We have the same rights as men because we're American. So... Rest in peace. Thank you for all your hard work. And speaking of death, how about them numbers? America, we are at 202,000 deaths of the coronavirus, the COVID-19 um, pandemic of this year. And w- what can you say, you know? usa usa we're number one in deaths way to go sometimes you just you just don't know you just gonna gotta say can't people just do their jobs can you just do your job that's all we're asking just do your job all right so i think everyone just needs to take a breath it's, it's, I can't say it's going to be okay. Cause I just don't know. The president is now talking about maybe not conceding if he loses because he's already frothed up his base saying that the election is rigged, but I don't know. Those people are not really getting the fact that he's the one doing the rigging. <sighs> so I have Dr. Nathan Chow on the show today. Just in Time. He is an Asian American male psychologist and a little companion piece to our last episode with Dr. Grace Chen. Dr. Chow is going to um, talk about issues related to growing up Asian American and male in this society. And especially now with all the, the hate that is just being thrown right at us, and how to deal with that and at the end you can check back and there will be links in the show notes about some resources you can explore if you feel like you need to talk to somebody so without further ado, here we go Today i have on the show dr nathan chow how are you nathan
1: i'm doing well how are yourself
0: i'm doing okay we um we are all even more stuck at home than before yeah because <laughs> not only did we had quarantine you know we're like oh, okay i guess this isn't too bad and then mother nature said hold my
2: beer
1: yeah can't even go outside anymore all the yep. socially distanced activities that we could do um right now are a little bit on hold i think our air quality up here is pretty poor i want to say it's in the unhealthy range
0: yep yeah if you have asthma or any kind of respiratory yeah. problem i mean i don't know what you do i was just walking for exercise because i tried to run or jog and it was like with the mask on i i felt like i was being suffocated
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: It's like this isn't working, so yeah. So our, our quality of life now has just become whatever you can do inside your house.
1: Yeah, we were walking our dog inside our house for a little bit just to no. get him. Yeah, <laughs> my wife had a had him hooked up to the the leash, and we were just kind of walking him around the house to try to get oh. him some some exercise as much as we it's possibly like, could.
0: It's like doggy jail. Yeah, unfortunately, this is your ten minutes in the yard. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, all right so we're gonna just talk about asian american issues that more or less specifically affect asian men um we got dr grace chen's side last week about things that are specific to asian american women growing up and now we're going to take the male side so for the male side how do you think the academic pressure to excel really affects Asian American men in your practice, what you, what you've seen?
1: Um, In my practice. So I've worked with, like, I started out as a child and like kind of family therapist and then have kind of moved into the adult world. So I have seen like across the age span um, and it's been pretty stereotypically um, consistent. I mean, obviously there are outliers and obviously that there are people who like, don't, quote unquote, fit that mold. Uh, But for a a lot of times, there has like, when I was working with uh, teens, you know, I've had clients tell me that I can't put hanging out with my friends on my college uh, application. So it's kind of a waste of time um, that, you know, some of these sports or some of these extracurricular activities that would just be pleasurable or like fun for, you know, kids um, is just there's no way to quantify that there's no way to spin that in a way that would be uh, that would look good um, for an application and so uh, and that's kind of the lens that they were really seeing things through Um, and it was just like is this productive is this beneficial Um, and is this gonna help me in some kind of way right in a purely academic uh, career success kind of way. Not like a personal growth kind of way, not a um, social development kind of way. And so there is like a very, what for a lot of kids seem like a singular track. And, you know, and I also had a lot of teens who, despite having a lot of significant depression or anxiety, um, and really we would consider like maybe high risk, because of, you know, some of the thoughts that they've had and, and kind of, you know, thinking about suicide or anything like that, is they were still able to maintain like a 4.0. Like that, wow. that was the thing that like never dropped. Um, and they would just kind of suffer in silence oftentimes. Mm. And, mm. and which is that, and that's hard to see, right? Because it's not necessarily always parents, but sometimes there is just like, it's not necessarily overt all the time. Um, like you have to do it this way. Um, but there is often, I think, a that kind of underlying message that is being kind of enforced either through words or through comparisons or, um, like, you know, we've come like if in, in immigrant families we've come to this country like you need to to do well right, right? we sacrifice for you kind of thing, um, and you owe us. Yeah, like <laughs> in some way you have to repay that um, Mm -hmm. if that is even possible. Um, Mm -hmm. and then kind of moving into the, like, you kind of see it through college and then even into the professional world, right? There's, there's a whole hustle culture of like, are you making money on the side? Are you, um, like, right, how many people have jobs outside of their jobs? Um, and, you know, side businesses or, um, you know, really that drive to succeed, that drive to be promoted, that, you know, and i remember you kind of talking with uh dr chen last week right it's like even if you maybe spread out into non traditional realms it's like okay you have to be the best in that um right that field and so it is i do see that a lot of like you know i mean most of the asian americans that i asians or asian americans that i do work with tend to be like in the stem fields um engineering uh you know healthcare things like that but um it is, there is that strong drive to get promoted to, you know, to be really successful and it's like work, 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 oftentimes, and Mm -hmm. it's oftentimes trying to get them to try to balance that out a little bit.
0: So when you're talking about the teens that are suffering from depression and anxiety, and it makes me kind of think, do you think they were more susceptible to that? and then adding the academic pressure sort of blows it up whereas if someone with a different personality who could sort of separate you know and kind of go out of their body to see what their parents are doing and look at it more objectively and be able to handle that kind of pressure in a different way and still you know has time to hang out with their friends like a more balanced life um just on a personality level, they can handle the pressure more, and it doesn't uh, affect them as adversely as someone who's maybe prone to depression.
1: I mean, I think there's definitely genetic components to it, or, um, you know, some people are going to be more prone than others um, from like, and then also personality characteristics, some might be more sensitive um, than others to like depression, anxiety, things like that. Um, But also, I think there's a lot of cultural aspects to it that even if I recognize that, like, hey, maybe that's not super healthy or that's not like um, that might be a little much. Right. Oftentimes in Asian um, cultures are we're less likely to uh, go against our parental guidance or parental wishes. And so even if I may recognize it, um, I might not speak out against it Uh and so there is that kind of idea that, you know, you, you do something in silence, right? That you kind of just keep going with it because it's what's expected to a degree. Um, and I do think that maybe as assimilation kind of continues to happen or, you know, like uh, kind of maybe a generation uh, more that would be more assimilated, you know, might be speaking out a little bit more or parents might be more um prone to like letting their kids explore certain aspects or um like kind of like hey we are aiming for something a little bit more balanced here like we still want you to do well but like it's not necessarily all about this
0: so do you see that difference between teens that have immigrant parents and then teens that have american-born parents um that shift in cultural thinking
1: i think anecdotally a little bit um because It's kind of like paving that way i think that there a lot of that still carries though that like hey my grandparents worked really hard like and then so my parents worked really hard and then like you're you're kind of like there's still that somewhat pull to kind of repay that lineage that struggle um you know and i think just there is that mentality or that idea that you know like you always want the the next generation to do better, be more successful, be more prosperous, whatever that kind of looks like, um, than the previous.
0: I remember listening to an interview um, with Yo-Yo Ma, and he was talking about how his, I think his father was telling him it takes three generations to produce an artist. So it's that initial first sacrificing generation, Mm -hmm. and then it's the generation that was raised in that culture that is sort of bridging the gap between the yeah, two cultures. Yeah. And then finally, that third generation that's sort of allowed to do what they're, I guess, blessed with the talent to do, mm-hmm. like Yo-Yo Ma being a musician. So I was like, hmm, it kind of makes sense. It, it, it kind of like, does, Talking yeah. to both of you, yeah. is sort of sounds like it takes that much time to sow those seeds of, you can almost relax now. Right and think about yourself, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. What are you really good at?
1: What do you, yeah. What would you like to pursue in that regard? Yeah.
0: Right. So the teens and other, you know, maybe older kids that are in college, the internalizing the problems, what is the outcome of that <laughs> over years and years and years of saying, oh, everything's fine and just. Yeah. Internalize <laughs> stuffing them down. <laughs> uh, it,
1: you know, again, dependent on each person's kind of personality characteristics, like people are just naturally going to be able to manage that better than others. Um, but mm-hmm. within that, you know, you do see some kinds of um, a lot of times social anxiety, depression, um, just general anxiety about the future. Um, mm. Social anxiety, you know, kind of like being that fear of being judged. Um, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, like you get compared a lot to, oh, yeah.
2: um,
1: you know, whether it's your siblings or your cousins or, you know, family, friends, Some person
0: on TV. Yeah.
1: Um, there's always like, <laughs> well, why aren't you, uh, have you seen so-and-so, um, and what they're doing? Um, uh-huh. and I think there is a little bit of that fear of judgment or, you know, you're kind of used to being compared to a lot. And often like in school that social anxiety kind of plays out in difficulties with you know like let's say presentations or group work or I might need help Um, but am I really going to ask am I really going to raise my hand and ask the teacher like probably not Mm -hmm. Um, we're stereotypically a lot less likely to do that Um, and and same goes in the workplace Uh, you know you run into conflict and you kind of maybe don't bring it up or you let it go um not going to raise a uh, might not take it up the chain um, to my manager or anything like that just it's not worth the conflict you don't want to rock the boat exactly um mm-hmm. and but oftentimes that kind of leads to like it still affects you it's still something that you deal with whether or not you decide to uh, to address it like let's say formally um it's still something that's kind of happening internally for you
0: especially if it's something illegal like if your business <laughs> starts doing something shady yeah. right and you okay so you're talking about this fear it's like okay if I say something I'm gonna get fired if I and if I don't get fired people are gonna hate me here mm-hmm. and see me as not a team player right right um but then if the business gets caught, then you're complicit and you are going to go down with that ship. Yeah.
1: It's like not a lot, like from a that perspective, not a lot of good options. Um, no,
0: the dilemma. Yeah, for sure. There's just choices among bad choices <laughs> that you have to make. <laughs> but if you had sown the seeds of being assertive, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I talked about assertiveness with grace. And I feel like that's kind of, pounded out of us (laughs) yeah just stereotypically (laughs) like i'm just you know speaking in broad terms here um but i feel like it's really pounded out of us um at a young age we learn early on that we we need to just follow directions yeah
1: oftentimes for sure um yeah
0: and not talk back to authority figures which could be your boss who's breaking the law and what do you do
1: yeah yeah, and i don't that's often, again, stereotypically, um, how a lot of Asian kind of families run either, you know, parents or grandparents kind of um, rule. And then you kind of get into the real world and it's like, you don't really have experience. Do do? Yeah, you don't really have experience uh, <laughs> bringing things up to um, professors in college or uh, your boss at work. Right. It's, that's not something you've ever practiced. That's not something you have experienced really doing.
0: And, you know, when I talked with, um, Grace, like I, we were talking about how females might have a harder time asking for a promotion, mm-hmm. right? Talking ourselves up, you know, really selling our attributes, right? Do Asian males have the same problem if they are, say, asking for a promotion?
1: Um, I think in general, I would say that that, at least from what I've noticed, I, I, I think that that's also kind of accurate. Um, I think mm. it is that idea of selling yourself, right? Because like that humbleness, while I know you guys were talking about it in, in regards to Asian uh, females, I, I do see that in Asian males as well. Um, that like my works will be recognized, Um, And that will be how I get my permission. So I'm gonna work harder, I'm gonna do more, but I'm not necessarily gonna verbally advocate for myself um, and come in here and kind of kick down the door and and demand certain things. Um, That it's, you know, just put your head down and work harder, outwork the person next to you, um, outperform the person next to you.
0: But then your boss sees somebody who is very bold, and extroverted mm-hmm. asking for it and he gives it to them and then the Asian male is working twice as hard as this other person who just got promoted in silence mm-hmm. and so the boss has one guy that's kind of the, the big showy salesman type and then the hard-working Asian guy who's doing twice as much work for less money mm-hmm. so <laughs> Right. So it's like the guy with the big personality is getting rewarded and getting paid more for doing less work.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that that's definitely plausible, like in in a lot of fields for sure.
0: Yeah. I hear it a lot. Like I hear lots of (laughs) friends' complaints and I go, why don't you say something (laughs) and it's really, really hard for them it's this confront, like they see their bosses as authority figures i guess and it goes back to childhood and they just really have a hard time if they can't ask for the promotion if they see it as a confrontation of sorts mm-hmm. then i don't know what could they do to help themselves develop this muscle of verbalizing asking for what they want
1: um it's maybe starting that conversation with a boss or a manager you know maybe not outright demanding it which i think like there is maybe like uh, in the workplace there is that kind of expectation that like it's a competition right um and but it's not just a competition on paper it's a to a degree, right? The, a lot of it is is personality. A lot of it is how much are you seen? Um, and oftentimes, Asian uh, Asian Americans uh, tend to feel you know invisible in the workplace. Um, just again, kind of head down doing their thing. Um, but it's kind of highlighting those highlighting those numbers or highlighting those um, experiences, and you know, and if you can get the help of you know colleagues who could kind of uh help promote you like verbally like that would be that would be awesome like if you have friends in the workplace or you have um who like you know hey you deserve that but also I think it is just practice too like advocating for yourself like maybe not maybe it, it would be challenging to advocate for yourself for like the first thing that you're going to do is I'm going to ask for this promotion but just like in other aspects of your life as well right um you you have authority figures across the board, not just at work, Um, you know, even though I'm an adult, right? I still see my my parents and my grandparents as authority figures, right? It's it's advocating or um, expressing kind of that assertiveness, uh, your own thoughts, your own opinions um, with in kind of other realms of your life as well.
0: Just going back to childhood, Mm -hmm. if you had say a 12 year old, what would a parent do to help their child like you want them to be able to follow directions you don't want a child who's oppositional right, right? that's that's another
1: other <laughs> end of that spectrum yeah that's
0: the whole other <laughs> end of the spectrum but um you like you said you want that balance you want them to be able um to you know of course follow directions and um learn what they're supposed to learn but also to be able to speak up for themselves. So as they're entering middle school in that really formative stage of their life and actually in brain development also, like what would be little key things you could give parents to do as exercises, you know, to sort of build that muscle of assertiveness.
1: I think it's inviting their opinion as their choices to, you know, whether it's extracurricular activities or, you know, what they wanted to do that evening, you know, oftentimes middle school is kind of like where it starts with all, or even in elementary school too, but all those extracurricular activities, right? Whether it's sports or, um, instruments or, you know, up here often coding camps, things like that. It's allowing that child to, to try things and then, but also to have a, um, have a an opinion about whether or not this is something I really want to continue, or whether or not this is something I want to do. And and having that be respected, having that be, you know, heard by your parents, because, you know, it's a totally different thing if you're like, oh, yeah, tell me what you think. And it's like, honestly, it doesn't matter, Um, would be crushing, right? Um, So actually, one of the things for me that my parents allowed me to do was, I I was forced to try everything, but Mm -hmm. I absolutely hated soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, and then so, I, you know, they kind of gave me a timeline and I was like, okay, I'm allowed to stop playing soccer because I hate it. Like, this is just mm-hmm. not fun for me. But I actually really respected that. And I, I really helped to just say that I have a say in this. I have a say in what I do with my time. I have a say in what I uh, put my effort and energy in. Now, anything that I, you know, obviously anything that I did, I was expected to like try at, obviously. Um And put forth that effort. But, you know, when clearly I'm not enjoying it, or clearly that um, this is not going well, uh, is is inviting that opinion, inviting that, allowing them to have a say in, in the direction of their life to a degree, obviously.
0: I think that was really smart of your parents on two fronts. One would be, you know, as a parent, you know that sometimes they do need to try it more than once. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sometimes kids just say no right off the bat, you know, before they even try something. For them, giving you a timeline was really smart. It's like, just try it, give it a chance, Mm -hmm. right? Sit with it for a while, give it a chance, really sort of know what's expected of you in the sport, give it a chance, and then if you still don't like it, you can quit. Like, that was really smart because it also taught you Oh, well, I should give things a chance, right? It's not like listening to the first 10 minutes of a song. I mean, 10 seconds of a song. I don't like it. Move on. on. Right. Just, you got to give it a chance because you might like it. Right. Yeah. A lot of things like you didn't like at first and then you, the more you did it, you're like, okay, well, I can, I can see myself doing
1: this. So kind of goes into the tolerable range and then it's like, actually this kind of, kind of nice.
0: Right, especially if as your body develops and you get better at it, Mm -hmm. because that's, I think, why a lot of kids quit sports, certain sports, is because they're not good at it. Right. You know, they don't have a natural affinity for it. And that just takes time if you just aren't genetically gifted in that way. Um, So that was really smart. And then, um, yes, giving you that choice giving you that wide range like what do you want to try? Let's mm-hmm. try a bunch of things. Let's say we're going to try 3 sports over the summer. So name 3 sports that you haven't played before and pick them. And so that gives you, you know, agency, right? Right. And it lets you really kind of like, oh, I have options. Cuz I think a lot of times if you grow up and you're controlled your whole life, everything you want to do is sort of smacked down <laughs> laid out for you yeah and laid out for you right then yeah you go off into the world as an adult and you can't make a decision you're always running back to your parents or your friends right or mm-hmm. you you you're like paralyzed by the choices in front of you so i thought that was really smart of your parents to do so it's like giving you that experience of choosing th- you know thinking and yeah. really thinking about things and choosing them and then you making the decision if you're going to pursue something
1: or not. And again, but it's within reason, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it was like, it comes within these parameters. Um, like it's still, I mean they're age
0: appropriate and it's time appropriate. Yeah. Things like that. And then uh, I wanted to follow up on, we're talking about internalizing problems which could lead to social anxiety and depression. And I remember for a while, like in the nineties, the late eighties and the nineties, I kept hearing these reports coming out of South Korea about these kids that would commit suicide Mm -hmm. because their test scores to get into university weren't good enough to get in and the shame. Yeah. So it's like stereotypically in Asian countries, if you do something to shame yourself you're shaming the family
1: yeah it's that like broader the whole picture.
0: family line all the way to the progenitor of your last name right so
2: Often, you're just
0: bringing shame upon the whole <sighs> like if you're a kim you're bringing shame upon all the kims of such and such city in korea so that crushing shame was leading them to like really high rates of suicide and i i mean i just i was really shocked I heard that so i'm i don't think it's as bad as before because i think korea saw it as a real problem Mm -hmm. and they you know tried to take some steps to mitigate um that but um but do you see a lot of suicide tendencies for asian americans
1: um it is growing so like Mm. i i know that there were concerns, like I think Harvard did an entire review because their numbers of suicides, for example, like maybe in the early 2000s, weren't, weren't let's uh were kind of standard for, or not that any suicide should be standard, but that they were on track for like, in comparison to the rest of the country and, and what they've had experienced in the past. But I think the percentages that were Asian American, like for those couple of years were kind of really high and so that they started to review why so the overall numbers like didn't really change but if you're looking at it more closely those numbers tend to be a little bit higher in the Asian American uh, population and like that was a concern I know that I think most recently I was reading a statistic that uh, it is the leading cause of Asian Americans in 20 to 24 years old Mm. and that it is so the leading cause of of death is suicide and I think it's second leading cause of death in Asian Americans from like 15 to like 35. So like, um, so it is oh. definitely growing. Um, and op- so
0: odd to me because you would think that the more established you are as say a minority in America, mm-hmm. that it would get easier to live here in some
1: ways. Yeah. It's kind of like that right after college,
0: um you can't get the job you want or something
1: yeah i I think that's student debt (laughs) on top of that definitely be part of it um i think that's definitely needs to be explored a little bit more but you know i'm kind of thinking more like yeah like the academic professional success is not quite there yet like you know you just came out of college you're going to start at the bottom right Mm -hmm. um oftentimes uh and then there's still that insecurity about you know kind of emotional exploration um like if you are out on your own for example um it's college can be it's a lot wider than uh let's say your home life right growing up there's a lot more experiences a lot more opportunities but it's still to some degree a little bit insulated compared to the outside world outside of like let's say university Um, and you know so trying to figure out your identity trying to figure out you know kind of the culture of a new workplace, for example, or uh, if you're attending, let's say, graduate school, that, you know, also challenging to kind of, and then feeling like if it's, if you're not meeting those expectations or you're not, like you kind of brought it up, right, that shame, that guilt, uh, that can be kind of heavyweight. And again, this is kind of like a little bit of speculation, obviously, um, but I, It is a problem for sure. It's
0: troubling. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, when they're so young and they're obviously they have their whole lives ahead of them and they could contribute so much to the world. If they find themselves, if someone is listening to this and they're, they're thinking, Hmm, sounds like me, (laughs) like what can they do to get some help? I mean, obviously we could just pick up the phone and call telehealth or whatever and try to book right. something. But sometimes, and I, I read a statistic saying that Asians are three times less likely to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And it goes with that whole internalizing your problems. You learn to stuff things down instead of asking for help at a very young age. So what would be a baby step for them to take?
1: Um. They are more likely to talk to their friends about it than, uh, let's say a professional or, you know, like you said, picking up the phone and and calling somebody. Um, But even then I was reading a statistic that Asian Americans are compared to, let's say other, like let's say whites or, um, that even then they're less likely to talk to their friends about it. Um, But they are again, more likely to talk to their friends than like an authority figure or a professional. So kind of just even opening up in that regard can be helpful. Just it's getting used to just expressing yourself because oftentimes uh, Asian, Asian Americans aren't really even comfortable doing that, like acknowledging that this doesn't feel good or acknowledging that I am sad or that because oftentimes I think that those get invalidated or those get dismissed because on the outside, you're doing well. Let's say academically, right? My grades are great. Or I'm performing at work, and therefore everything is fine. Um, Because that's kind of our measure of how we're doing, even though it's not encompassing at all.
0: Right. Like you you were talking about that um, one client of yours, he had straight A's, but he was very
1: depressed. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah, your output isn't reflective of (laughs) what's going inside.
1: (laughs) Not at all. And a lot of
0: times, like uh, people bury themselves in work because they are having problems outside of work.
1: Yeah, it's an outlet. Mm-hmm. It is something I know that I'm good at, and it's something that's mm-hmm. distracting. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, will take all my time, right? Because if I'm home by myself, then all these thoughts
2: start <laughs> coming into
1: my head. Yeah, right. Like I don't want to be like with my thoughts for that long, or I don't like these feelings are uncomfortable. And like, I can't just push them down without doing something else. So Mm -hmm. work is productive, right? Work is at least there, you know, culturally just like in Asian, but also I think of like an American culture too, kind of work culture is celebrated in a lot of ways. And so it, it may be pushing aside my thoughts, aside my emotional states you know, that are very um, distressing or very uncomfortable, but in a lot of ways, that's kind of oddly celebrated and rewarded.
0: I guess it's slightly more acceptable than turning to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like a socially accepted way of, um, yeah, numbing your
2: problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so baby step would be, try to talk to your friends about it, you know, What about, um, what do you think of if they just sat in a quiet room and just not meditated, but just say, okay, I'm going to have a honest conversation (laughs) with my thoughts and feelings and just sit for a while quietly and just write down, how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? Are you happy?
1: That would be great. I think if you, if you could do that, that would be a great, If you could be honest, right. If you could be honest and, and you could tolerate that. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that the problem is, is that oftentimes uh, it's not something we've ever focused on. It's not something we've ever given a priority to, to, so to kind of sit down in a room and be able to kind of like let it all out like that would, well, would be really helpful, you know, and kind of like a start to all of this process. Like, Oftentimes I would, it would be challenging, I think, to allow yourself to do that because it's, it is so uncomfortable and it's not something that you are used to doing. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
0: yeah. Cause there's, you know, definitely a culture of not complaining, mm-hmm. you know, and putting others first before your own needs. So yeah, you don't really get to explore what you want
1: to do. Yeah
0: you know, or what would really make you
1: happy? And I was just kind of like reflecting a little bit on what Dr. Chen was saying as well, like that access I think is important. Like oftentimes, you know, a CAPS program is often where, you know, you start to see the first foray a mental health or, you know, and I think a little bit this, the younger generation, it, it is a lot more socially acceptable. You know, people are a lot, are talking about it a lot more, um, like even down to like elementary, middle school, uh, where oh yeah I have family therapy today or I have I have oh. a therapist um, and the the stigma I think is still there but it for I think the kind of school age kids right now it's not as as stigmatized as it used to be um, yeah it is pretty
0: common. I have never heard an Asian American child say they had therapy that day. <laughs> Unless it's like speech therapy or whatever. But, right. you know, this is the Bay Area. they are a lot more in touch with their feelings up here. So. Um, yeah. And it's,
1: and it's I, I, I definitely think that there is a barrier, like when we're comparing it to like, let's say, a Caucasian community, or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But um, there is still that family stigma, there's still that cultural stigma. And um, But I do think it is slightly less stigmatized than let's say historically Mm -hmm. and i know that she was also talking about kind of a lot of these companies are access uh allowing mental health um carve-outs or kind of like these mental health coverage plans Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the asian americans that i have like that i've seen you know it's like oh this is my first time this is my first time getting therapy a
0: lot of no, you know, like so many, a lot of most health insurance plans cover mental health and you should just, you should take advantage. And I feel like, especially now, since we're all kind of in quarantine still,
2: mm-hmm. I feel like
0: that has really become, I guess, one ray of light in this terrible <laughs> gloomy situation that we're in that, um these uh telehealth sessions have become sort of the norm now Mm -hmm. because it's just i mean there's no getting around it you just can't do face to face right now i feel like for asian americans especially that might be more comfortable for them right they don't have to drive to the doctor's office. Right. They don't have to sit in the waiting room with everybody else who they think is looking at them and judging them, <laughs>
1: right? That, yeah, that <laughs> social judgment piece, right? Even though yeah. you don't know anybody in that room. Even though like, <laughs>
0: you really shouldn't care, and guess what? They're all there for the same reason, you right. know? So relax, right? Um. So they, they, they don't get that whole waiting room anxiety. And then sitting with somebody can cause anxiety, like just being like in the presence of somebody else can make you feel a little more on your guard. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I know like a lot of sessions, it takes people a long time to kind of loosen up. So the telehealth thing I think is really a boon to the whole mental health industry or just a sphere of health. Yeah, because I mean, it, it's made it,
1: access so much easier.
0: Right so such so much more convenient like i said you don't you don't get that anxiety about just physically going someplace and being with somebody Mm -hmm. and having to tell them your innermost secrets (laughs)
1: to their face (laughs) right which could be really hard right to to sit with a from a stranger face to face and then like the expectation is that i'm going to share everything with you um or i'm going to express myself with you it's it's that's, that's a really big challenge. And not something that, you know, we're taught to do, not something that that's really been modeled for us, um, mm-hmm. oftentimes. And so the distance of a computer, um, definitely can make that easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or, you know, oftentimes it's like during the workday, right? So like, if you can hide away for an hour in your workday, that's, that's, I mean, especially now that everybody's work from home, um, mm-hmm. but like, let's say you're at the workplace, right. Right. It's, to be like, I can't leave work for a half an hour drive, do that for an hour. and So that's two hours right out of my day, you know, right. that my colleagues recognize like, like, where do you go? Or yeah, you have
0: a dentist appointment every, every <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, I think telehealth has made it. Yeah. Hopefully has taken away a lot of those barriers, a lot of those social barriers that culturally would be a challenge. Mm
2: hmm.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like it's almost like um, if you decide that you're, this is the year you're going to get in shape, right? <laughs> it's like just driving to the gym, just yeah. getting yourself there is so much effort, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like mental health, this, this just takes that obstacle and just pushes it aside. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to clear this from your path. <laughs> so now you just got to have a straight shot to your computer and you just dial up. And then call somebody and then just tell them you're having a hard time and you need help
1: which is still a challenge in itself though mm-hmm. right i mean that's still not easy for a lot of people that yeah but but the the barriers like make it easier mm-hmm. right
0: so yeah just take baby steps you can just
2: <laughs> yeah
0: just try it just try it you might feel a lot better so, talking about all this social anxiety, and depression. Um, So I grew up in the 80s. My brother is four years younger than me. So, you know, he was subject to all the pop cultural things I was. And what's it like for Asian males growing up in a culture where Asian males are seen as, you know, the butt of a joke, Mm -hmm. um, the way they're they talk if they have, if they're new immigrants, you know, is a butt of a joke. The images they see in pop culture are emasculating and, you know, they're just primarily seen as weak and unattractive. Like, how does that affect (laughs) your sense of self or your self image when you're growing up? And that's all you see. You know, you don't see a strong strapping Asian guy in any of your shows or television or movies
1: right well hopefully that's starting to change like in like the more recent uh right slowly like like the last maybe two years (laughs) (laughs) maybe last few years um Uh but yeah i mean i think stereotypically that has been the portrayal of asian men um like that they're not desirable they're not like they're your nerdy friend um that can help you with your homework but not or, you know, they'll make you a good doctor. Uh, but in terms of a a mate, a partner, um, right? It's not necessarily like top of the food chain there, um, mm-hmm. right? They often lack that sex appeal. They're not made, uh, they're not portrayed in that way at all. Um, and, you know, they're passive. They tend to be a lot meeker. Um, uh, and, and so you'll see like, yeah, like there is that desire there's that desire to oftentimes to have that kind of westernized idea of masculinity, hitting the gym, having that like really rock hard body. Um, but, you know, or you kind of shy away from that too. And it's just, you, it, it's hard. Cause I think that that's, you internalize that, that that's how people see me and that oftentimes like maybe that's how I see myself. Um, and so trying to form that identity of what it what that leads to um so you know maybe putting yourself more into your studies like well if that's how they see me right like then i'm going to be the best damn doctor or best you know whatever maybe i know that the purpose of this podcast is like that (laughs) people outside of those realms so maybe i shouldn't use doctor as an example but
0: (laughs) i'm gonna be the best damn you know painter yeah
1: exactly uh you know putting a lot of that effort it's already like it, it is ingrained right like even mm-hmm. i'm like even though i know that that's the purpose of this podcast and like that's the idea it's like it's hard not to shake that that that's still the the gold standard of what you're supposed to uh, to do or what that you're supposed to, well, to you're achieve. a doctor <laughs> <laughs> and i always clarify not that kind of doctor yeah uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um and that's true yeah and it's and it's I think it can be really hard because it's like, you you know, you get bullied like stereotypically, you know, like the food at school, right? Like, you know, if you're bringing your lunch, it's like, that's a very classic example of like, oh, that's mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I think, oh, I,
0: I would not let my mom pack my lunches. <laughs> <Mm-mm-mm>.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very common, uh, you know, it's a very common stereotypical issue, right? Like, it was just like, uh-huh. that looks different, that smells different. That's yeah. weird. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah.
0: You're you're thinking, look, lady, I'm having a hard enough time as it is. I don't need you to be packing me a <laughs> kind <of> kimchi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you want you want me to have? Zero friends? I mean, come on.
1: And they're you know, a lot of times like that they're not viewed as like athletic. Uh so mm-hmm. or like non traditional sports. Um, you know, like your footballs, baseballs, like basketball is often a little bit more challenging um mm-hmm. you know and just basketball in general too like height is kind of a requirement and like right. we we're not unless you're like Yao Ming or you know you know even jeremy lynn right like that it's it's not the most common thing
0: right and jeremy Lin was still considered short in the
2: yeah. nba <laughs> well even by like nba 6'4". standards for sure yeah, like, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: for sure but um so yeah so in the 80s we had long duck dong and you know revenge of the nerds and all these things and um i could see it really did affect my little brother Uh and he almost went to the other end of the spectrum where he had to and he still does he had to affect a hyper masculine personality he was like football Country music, you know, (laughs) all, you know, all these other things. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. I mean, I'm sure you're, you're into them, but just, you know, you can turn it down a couple notches. So, um, do you see that happening too, where they, maybe they do work out like crazy because they're working so hard against the stereotype and maybe they are like super into sports because people don't think Asian guys are into sports at all and this makes me more Masculine in the American sense.
1: I definitely think that that happens. Um, I don't know again I I don't have any stats or like that. It happens like for like the majority of people for example but I I definitely think that that does happen still that there is trying to conform to that Western idea of masculinity Um, and Whether they're
0: overcompensating so much to not be the Asian nerd stereotype.
1: Yeah, but you play you're really downplaying that piece. That mm-hmm. it's it's almost um, offensive if like you're good at something. Like if you're good in academics, um, yeah. because it's like I don't want to be seen that way.
0: So being bicultural, even if you're born here,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and let's say you are that third generation, you know, it's like now you have that space and time to actually do what you want to do. <laughs>
1: you could be that artist but,
0: yeah you could be yo-yo ma right <laughs> being bicultural right how does that still affect you especially in this pandemic time where all of a sudden there are all these anti-asian physical altercations mm-hmm. you know it's like there's reports of people going in to see their doctor and them being asian and then the doctor is getting spat on
2: yeah
0: and Just horrible things like uh, an elderly Chinese woman in New York was set on fire by two teens and people screaming, you know, China virus or whatever at, um, random people that they don't know, you know, this person that you're screaming at their, their family might've been in the country for 300 years. Like you have no idea. So especially now, like even if you're very, very American born here, but you look Asian and now it's out in the forefront and all of a sudden your ethnic background has some sort of political charge to it.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, and um, like you were saying, Asians kind of like to, maybe they don't like to be invisible, but I feel like sometimes they like seating themselves into the background because they don't want that kind of attention Uh because they know what comes with sticking out you know like racist attacks comes with sticking out
2: too
1: definitely. much so there's good and bad right that come mm-hmm. with with sticking out um and i definitely think that it's it's definitely been brought to the forefront now um you know like even kids are experiencing it uh you know you hear bullying like at school uh, about kind of the similar th- themes right of you know the coronavirus or china flu or, or you know and it's they're being targeted they're being blamed for a lot of uh, a lot of um, the school shutdowns or, or whatnot um, even though obviously it's affecting everybody um, mm-hmm. that it,
0: and it's really not their fault people
1: right definitely not, and, <laughs> it's like you know but on. it is it is being politicized and that's really unfortunate.
0: Were you born in the states Nathan?
1: Yeah, I am.
0: So you're you know you're American to the bone. you're born here, raised here. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not seen as American, Mm -hmm. you know, you're seen as Asian or Chinese and you, you know, you're like, well, I'm American. Yeah. (laughs) I just happen to be genetically born from people who are from China, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm American, you know, but it's just this, this, um, this way of the pendulum swinging back to wanting to otherize people who are not Caucasian.
1: And I think that that's historically, right, we, let's say in the kind of that spectrum of black and white, right, where they are very like, opposed, like, unfortunately, kind of like set uh, in opposing forces um historically right like Asians kind of have floated somewhere in the middle where we can be the bad guy um, if needed but we can also like unfortunately that model minority myth right we are politicized and used as like the good guy like it can be done right um work hard uh do these things and you know unfortunately used to kind of um in comparison to um black americans um but having that being able to float in that middle it, it kind of goes with the times that it, it you know if we if politically they want to paint you in a, in a bad picture right like it's not hard to do um, but also again there's a lot of positive positive stereotypes that kind of go along with uh, being Asian that you know when it when it suits the kind of broader political picture that you can be used in that in that way too, and that that may, I think that's that's hard to kind of balance, right? That like on some days, oh look, I'm being celebrated. On some days, it's like, wait, now I'm the bad guy again. Like how mm-hmm. how do how do I navigate that? How do I, you know? And especially for kids who are like don't maybe have that concept or don't have that history.
0: Yeah, and I think about the kids nowadays, the ones maybe in elementary school and middle school. It's like they probably grew up without a lot of bullying and you know i remember when i was growing up that wasn't the case you know because i was always the only non-white person in all of my classes Uh you know and it was just yeah i just heard ching chong whatever my whole growing up my whole childhood so seeing it come you know kind of settle down and now you see it coming back again and yeah, this whole generation now that's in school—they they probably never really felt that targeted hatred uh-huh. or that targeted ridicule before. This is probably the first time that they they ever experienced that. So, what would you say to parents of kids that are having a hard time? You know, that they're coming home crying, or that you know something happened to them, and it was just very upsetting for them. And it's like, what what could What can we tell our kids to help them see that it's, you know, not their fault, but also be able to handle it, um, in a more, I don't know, in a more constructive way, the next time it happens.
1: I think part of it is, is just validating that it hurts. Um, and that it, that it does affect them because I think, you know, historically, oftentimes it's like, well, just show them by doing better. Uh, like right, they're just words, um, and and oftentimes yeah. that can be invalidating to mm-hmm. that experience. That like well, emotionally that really hurts um, to be called something like that or to have those names thrown at me, um, and so that that does take a toll on you know adults and kids as well, right? Um, so being able to validate that experience that it is that it is painful, um, that it does matter. Um, Now, again, what you want to do with that or how you want to coach your child to, like, you know, whether it is talking to uh, an authority figure or bringing it up or, you know, having, you know, parent up to parent kind of conversation, depending on obviously um, the relationship between the kids or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I You know, I think that that's a personal choice and how you want to deal with that. But I think first and foremost, it's not just writing it off um, that, you know, words are. Words are meaningless or words don't hurt. Um and that, you know. Sticks and stones. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, (laughs) you know, just do better, like, you know, beat them on the next test and like you'll show them. And it's like (laughs) you'll
0: that'll show them. Um, That'll wear down that Asian stereotype. (laughs)
1: Um but oftentimes like right, it's like like almost like you don't have like don't worry about those things. Like you don't have time for those things. You they're they're less they're less important. Um don't let it distract you from your ultimate goal which is doing well right and that's and in a lot of ways that that's invalidating that experience that uh, that it's really painful that's really hurtful to to have to go to school and experience those things
0: yeah i i think that's really good advice cuz i can hear my mom's voice my mom would say what are you crying about that's nothing
1: yeah or or they're stupid just, comparing just ignore it to- them
0: just ignore them
1: or comparing it to like what, you know, like, let's say your parents immigrated here. Like, well, what they were called. Right. It's like, Oh, that's, that's it. Like, (laughs) right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, and it's like, no, but like to each person, right. Like it's right. uh, That it, it it does have an impact.
0: I, I think that's really important. Yeah. To validate how they're feeling. And what about the parents as they're navigating, um, all this pandemic weird, rising racism and mm-hmm. also just trying to um keep it together. <laughs> like what would be some stress relieving strategies for um the the
1: stressed up parents right now? I think I think stress stress relieving. Oh man, I don't really know. Um because it, it is really stressful, right? Like to kind of It is. To acknowledge that it, I mean, this is stressful. This is, you know, obviously there are an increase in, in targeted, um, targeted attacks, targeted verbal attacks, mm-hmm. you know, and physical attacks, unfortunately. Um,
0: but just also you have to juggle everything. Like you had to do that before, mm-hmm. but at least you had these little, I guess, mental breaks that you could take. You know, you're driving to school or you're driving um, them around on their little appointments after school, you're going to work. You're having meetings you're going out with your friends right it's like you have some space in between activities to sort of be by yourself yeah but now there's no being by yourself well there is no being by yourself right
1: now if you can if you can create it i mean i think that that would be ideal like right like Mm -hmm. even if you can steal i mean see, i'm already using the word steal but like if you can take 10 15 minutes here a pocket there um mm-hmm. you know it dep- obviously depending on how like if you have kids if you don't have kids if, depending on how old your kids are like right if you have infants less likely um but if you have like teenagers like you know they can do their own thing for like 20 minutes or you know hours at a time even right that you could probably take uh a, a little bit of time for yourself to kind of regroup uh do yeah. a little stress relief whatever that might look like for you um and Take a walk if you're not in California. <laughs> yeah, or just like anywhere on the West Coast right now. Um,
0: right. No, nobody on the West Coast can go take a walk right now. But um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think just kind of actively looking for those times, um, and or and or creating them for yourself. Of like knowing that I have between meetings, between um, my kids' next class, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm just gonna go do this for myself. I'm gonna go, you know whatever it might be, you know, lay down or go take that walk or, you know, like go read a book or, you know, whatever that might be. It's just a little bit of wind down time for yourself. Um, And then being able to, because it's, it's impossible to be on all the time like that. Right. Um,
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea to make an appointment for yourself during the day mm -hmm. Um, just to check out you know, just to get away from all the electronics (laughs) because it's, yeah, it's very draining. You have to stare at a screen all day if you're at work, Mm -hmm. um, or, um, my, my son has special needs. So I have to be with him during his distance learning. Got it. So, and I can tell that it, the whole situation is getting to me because I lose so so much patience with some of the teachers when they are, yeah. when I feel like they're quote unquote wasting time or like, what is this lesson? Yeah. I don't understand why you're doing this. So I can feel myself get agitated and I just kind of go, okay, you just follow along for I'm going to go out for five minutes and I'll be right back. I just have to go somewhere and just close my eyes and breathe. And then I come back yeah a little more yeah less on edge but um
1: but it's kind of being able to recognize that right like Mm -hmm. and oftentimes like as asian americans like you know like that takes practice too to like even recognize like okay i'm starting to get really irritated here or Mm -hmm. like what am i supposed to do in that situation and then being like giving yourself that permission to hey five minutes like right like my kid seems taken care of like he can again not probably not with like an infant but like right but even then, maybe an infant, like if you put him down for a nap, like I can take mm-hmm. that five, 10 minutes for myself. But um, it's being able to s- step out or uh, just for a little bit, just to kind of gather yourself and then like regroup, come back um, it's so that you can be there for your kid um, or whatever it is else that you're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, for sure. Listen to your body. If your body is, if you feel <laughs> if you feel that your heart is starting to beat a little faster or you're, you are feeling that irritation yeah for for sure step away from the screen and just take five yeah you know that would be my recommendation but um any closing thoughts dr chow
2: um well
1: not really i mean i think like just even like the idea of having this podcast is like pretty um it's pretty amazing right like that it's celebrating or it's kind of introducing all these other options for uh, Asians or Asian Americans that, you know, not, um, my dad's probably gonna kill me for saying this, but whatever. <laughs> you can probably edit this out. Uh, I told him about this and I told him the name I of have it. have to
0: turn off our parents' voices in <laughs> our heads right now. Just
1: turn, so take that if, dial turn it down. If, if he's listening to this, if he listens to this, <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, he actually, I told him about it and I told him about the, 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 the name of it and he got really concerned right he was like um he you know he texted me and was like we're not
0: we're not mr chow we're not saying that nathan is a failure in any regard
1: so i had to explain it to him and like the yeah. stereotypes and fucking stereotypes and everything and then he totally got it and he was totally on board but it was it was interesting because i was like that was, his, that was his initial thought right and mm-hmm. and it's very much like that like what are people gonna think or that you know that um what does this mean like hey maybe don't tie your name to something like that um <laughs> and i was like no no, no i, I want to do it i think it's i think it's really cool um but yeah so it's just it's just interesting you know um yeah he's definitely gonna he's definitely gonna talk to me about, about saying that but <laughs> so no i'm really appreciative of of it and for you having me this is my first time ever kind of do anything like this so it was a really fun experience well thank you dr nathan chow for thank you
0: coming on the pod And I hope your dad approves.
1: He will. I'll have to prep him for it. But he'll be.
0: (laughs) Just tell me if he's mad and I'll I'll send him a very uh, apologetic email. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me and my guest, Dr. Nathan Chow. If you have any questions for him, he can be reached at drnathanchow.com check the show notes for some links to more mental health resources. And I hope everybody has a good week. Hopefully it's better than the last couple. I'm only looking forward to the Dodgers maybe
2: making uh, the World Series again. Crossing fingers. Take care, everyone.